This is Old Movies for Young Stoners, the podcast that pairs weed with cult and classic movies to enhance your trip through cinema history. Halloween is coming up just around the corner even, so we have a couple of spooky movies with majorly fucked up house parties in them. It's a Halloween house party! First, Vincent Price offers a bunch of desperate people $10,000 if they can survive a night in the house on Haunted Hill. It's from director William Castle, so there's going to be some gimmicks. And then, the mad Egyptian caterer, Fuad Ramses, is dismembering the young women of Miami and preparing an Egyptian feast in the first ever splatter movie, Blood Feast, from Gormeister Herschel Gordon Lewis in 1963. Like we said, it's a Halloween house party. You can even consider it a potluck. All right here on Old Movies for Young Stoner. Podcast where Rod Steiger is greater than Bob Iger. <laughs> it's a terrible trio today. We've got Corey Sklar from the Hollywood Punk Rock Graveyard Tour. Greetings, Bob. I'll have a scotch and. And he is the co founder of Six Point Harness Studios, a great animation director, my good friend, Greg Franklin. Hey, Bob. I'll have. An Egyptian feast. (laughs) (laughs) It's so hard not to launch into talking about Blood Feast right away because there's just so much to unpack there. But uh, I I do want you guys to know that since I am in in pain and in medical duress, this is the most high I've ever been recording an episode of old movies for young stoners. Cause I, I got the, I did get to the magical drugs that are destroying our nation. So I'm I've took one of those because this Thank you, Sackler family. You know, I can this is this is like the first uh time sitting in a chair. And I've been smoking a lot of Bruce Leroy, which I talk about on the program a lot. So so lots of lots of Bruce Leroy from Ball Family Farms in Oakland. Thank you, Bruce Leroy. Thank you, Ball Family Farms. You really helped. The other night I tweeted about watching this Ironside, and it was a two-part Ironside, and it had just every 70s phenomenon in it. Uh, Bill Bixby was a psychiatrist who was using mass hypnosis to get people to kill other people for him. So there was like a Patty Hearst kind of weird thing in it. There was ESP. There was a psychic that was helping Ironside. Um, trying to remember what the hell else was in this fucking thing. Uh, it was just every fucking Yuri Geller bullshit. The solid gold dancers, Telly Savalas, all the 70s stuff. If a UFO came down... <laughs> And a Bigfoot came out of it and pushed Raymond Burr into quicksand. That's the only thing it didn't have. And so I tweet about this with good response. And also uh, Blue Sky. Hey, we've still got Blue Sky invites, everybody. 
But then Corey asked me if I had seen the episode of Ironside with Corey's dad playing what? in a band in like a hippie party that's supposed to be in Haight Ashbury, but it's really in Beaver and Wally's backyard in their neighborhood. <laughs> it's in the Universal Backlot, I think. Oh, yeah. They just found the one kind of crappy um, <laughs> Victorian house that they built there mm-hmm. for those exteriors. And that's the hate. Yeah. You know, and it's all spread out. And all the episode is called A Trip to Hashberry. Now, now, is your dad the wow. bass player? My dad's the bass player and singer, yeah. God, you said you're a clone of him, practically. Thank you. The band, is, the band is called The Hook. They were on Uni Records, so it was kind of synergy between Universal Pictures, television, and Uni Records. And, uh, yeah, they play the, the band in the hippie house where everyone's dropping acid and tuning out, man. There's a big fat dude, dude with a big beard and his hippie wear who's like kind it of might be, It might be King Tut from the Batman show. I might be mistaken, but. I, no, I, it's, I, I didn't recognize him. It wasn't Victor Buono. I mean, if it was okay. Victor Buono, that would have been the lead. I'm sorry, Corey's dad. Sorry, Mr. <laughs> Sklar. Uh, it's all about Victor Buono for me, but. Um, but you, he got, my, my dad's band gets a lot of screen time in that episode. Oh, they, they do two and a half songs in it. Like, yeah. you know, and you get to have Raymond Burr sneer at them. Yeah, like, oh, these fucking <laughs> pieces of, piece of shits. That's, a, that's the payoff. But yeah, they're, you know, it's, it, that's. My dad still has that bass, by the way. Oh, wow. Fuck. Hey, Holy is there fuck. any vinyl? They yeah, press they, any vinyl? Yeah, yeah, Dude. yeah. Yeah, there's, they're, they're, they're uh, I'll get you some. Hook, hook me up. up. I will. The Hook, the Hook, everyone check it out. The Hook. The Hook. The Hook Will Grab You is the first album, uh-huh. and the second album is Hooked. They were the leaves. And then they became a real fuzzy power trio, garagey. Like uh-huh. they're they're kind of heavy. They've got this. Bah, yeah. Yeah. they da, have a blue da, cheer da, thing da. happening for yeah. sure. Like yeah, so it, uh, they were heavier than all the other bands, and and, and were, I think they your were dad's singing, too. Your yeah. dad's singing, and he's like, oh, kind of Arthur yeah. <laughs> Arthur Brown, Crazy World of Arthur Browning it. Now now, what's your dad's name? Buddy Sklar. Now. Seeing you on stage and seeing your dad in the, this episode, it's funny because me and Greg are like the first guys to play bass or guitar in our in our families. So it's not like Greg mm-hmm. sees, you know, I see, you know, Greg go, oh, that's that's Roger's stage move. You know, it's like <laughs> <laughs> or or, you know, my dad, you know, it's right. like my dad would just he'd be sneering at the band like Ironside is what. He yeah, I sound doing. like my dad when I sing like I can't help it. I don't I don't try to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm adopted, so I sound like somebody, but I don't know who they are. <laughs> my dad has way better stage. He had my dad like was one of those guys that would practice the microphone stand stand out in the backyard, like doing James Brown stuff. He's he's way better moves. I remember seeing when I was a kid, and he was doing the Ro- Roger Daltrey fucking throwing the mic up in the air really uh-huh. high and catching a thing. I never. Wow. I'm too. I'm, I'm too scared to do that stuff. <laughs> this record looks amazing, by the way. Oh right, yeah, it's cool. It's, <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah, I'm looking it up on Discogs. You might, you know, you got them in good shape. You might be looking at, uh, you, they, they're going for a pretty penny on Discogs. Yeah, know? the um, the hipster uh, psych people have discovered it. Uh, mm. Thank God. So that's cool. Yeah, I mean, my dad, we never made it. My family never made a penny off the music business, of course. So at least we have the Ironside episode we could watch. Now, uh, have you heard about this new Jurassic weed that's going to be available in California? Excuse me? What is that? Oh, is, okay. it like a, is it like clone from ancient weed or something? Okay, okay. <laughs> it's uh, from Amber. <laughs> <laughs> Let me read from Lester Black of SFGate. He's not really a friend of the show because he's the guy who doesn't watch movies. 
He doesn't like. He's like he's he's loud about not liking movies. He doesn't like movies. He doesn't like movies. So I mean, I can't. People, I can't call Francisco people. I'm telling you. You know, it's like I said before. It's refreshing to me though because yeah, sure. I'm like that's when I moved to San Francisco and you're like some suburban goon trying to find your place in the rock and roll scene in San Francisco in the mid '90s. And you just want to watch canon reruns, but there's like the scene is dominated by people who are like, I don't like television, you know. So it's just maybe The Simpsons. I'll watch. They kind of carve out for certain shows at certain times, but you hypocrisy. Know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Extremely rare pot discovered 50 years ago is finally available in California. So in 1970, researchers at the University of Oxford were investigating a cannabis sample when they found a chemical that had never been known to science. It wasn't THC or CBD, the two most famous compounds created by cannabis plants. They called this new compound tetrahydrocannabivarin, a mouthful of a word usually shortened to THCV. Now, now the lowdown on the THCV is that it's kind of makes it like a go-getter weed, like people don't want to eat, and they're really energetic, so it's like speed weed, it sounds like. Oh. It's got nicknames like the sports car of weed or weed redrawal. And it never, it never like reached the, the masses, like it never was re, replanted or something like that. Yeah, it's just, it's harder to grow. It's, you know, like Sensimea or something. It's got, it's a finicky plant, I guess, but it's increasingly becoming available, particularly in California, where the legal weed market has become one of the best places in the world to find this rare pot product. Mm, I feel like we should know about you this. You could buy, you could buy THCV mints infused with matcha, pre-rolled joints, pills, espresso-flavored THCV shots. But my question is, is it really pot if it, if you don't get the munchies and you're energetic instead of being mellow? Is that really pot or is it something else? I guess it's really I guess it's really pot if it's a part of the family, but I feel like there's nothing from 50 years ago that will get you as fucked up as stuff from now. And <laughs> yeah. So I feel like it, it sounds like a William Castle style gimmick if you ask me. That's a good point. I know. It's just going to fucking uh, give everybody reptile brain, it seems like. you know. <laughs> there was a, there was this story. It kind of reminds me of this story. I think it happened two years ago where they found this um, this vintage Bukla synthesizer at Mills College that was missing. Mm. And they opened it up and there was a couple sheets of LSD inside. And uh, yeah, that's it. And they're <laughs> that's like, well, a good. Uh, they're like, oh, we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to experiment with this LSD. So that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you say speedweed. When I first hear that, it'd be like super great if they could come up with a weed where you can get super hammered off your ass, but then you're fine in like an hour. You know? Yeah, or it made you want to clean your house and make a record on your four track too, like Speed does. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, that'd yeah. be weird. I, you know, weird. to be honest, the way he writes about it, he's talking about it, you know, making people not want to eat and making people energetic. It sounds like it's ozempic weed to me. <laughs> mm, I need to try. So next week, I'm going to go to the dispensary. I'm going to look for the Jurassic weed. I'm going to do it and give you guys a review on the air. Yeah, I was thinking of getting some just for the next episode because I'm finally out of Bruce Leroy and, uh, Oh, could, you know, I need some new strains for our finale. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, our season ended all now. Mm-hmm. Also, hey, what about this guy? Uh, does anybody know anything or, or have anything to say about this dude who dropped mushrooms and then tried to disable a plane? Oh, I heard about this this morning. I listened to the to the the, the radio transmitter of it. 
Yeah, one it was the not not the co-pilot or not the pilot or the pi- co-pilot, but it was the guy that sits in back. Yeah, he was an off-duty pilot, so he's like, "Hey, I want to fly to wherever wherever the flight was going to." Alaska Airlines flight, where the fuck was it? Joseph D. Emerson, that was a guy from it was Washington. San Fran- it was San Francisco. Yeah, it was SeaTac to San Francisco probably. Uh, Washington to San Francisco. And uh yeah, he just kind of was in this weird fucking fugue state or whatever and somehow that led him to start pulling the levers that would make the plane stop in midair. He tur- he, he he went to the the fuel shutoff switches yeah. and and he managed to shut them off. They subdued him they handcuffed him they put him in back but uh and now he's being charged with attentive murder of 83 people i think that's pretty effed up it was here's what i want to say is i like you know found audio i like to listen to like um, number stations and ham radio and shit like that uh this is a very interesting piece of audio to hear it go down with the um you know what is it the faa like when they're going like uh we have a threat level four here but <laughs> kudos to these pilots like they kept it really cool they stayed really calm they're like a guy's trying to kill us all uh we subdued him can we land please it was pretty good wow yeah and i mean he had mushrooms 48 hours earlier so i think he was in a depressive spiral of some kind and mushrooms were part of that but i don't think the mushrooms were really except to add to general fatigue and whatever else he was going through i mean they were out of his system by the time the incident people are taking mushrooms way too liberally right now like i'm everyone's microdosing it's fine but like if you just go a little bit over microdosing your brain is could go in a cuckoo state and i've been there i've been to cuckoo mushroom land and it's not it's not a good place to be so be careful out there people it's not as like harmless as people say not to be all reefer madness about it but like mushrooms are you are dealing with some major psychedelics stuff it's not so so much a party okay uh, dragnet <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'm a, i'm gonna fly away he also thought he was an orange and he started peeling his skin off. So I, I, I'm on the train. I'm on the train. I'm on the train. <laughs> now, oh, man. That's now, now that's not, Mike, that, the reason I bring this story up, though, is uh, that's the question. Are too many normies starting to do psychedelics? Uh, yeah. Yes, back, in, yes. back in my day in the mid 80s. No, it's not even. You know, everyone's, everyone's gone, uh, moved on past mushrooms now. Everyone's on ketamine now. Everyone is uh, like, on ketamine. Like now. Donald Trump, uh, yeah. Rogan. Ketamine is. Ketamine Elon, is Musk, like, Elon Musk is fiending that shit up uh, uh, wherever the fuck he is, right? Ketamine now. is like <laughs> Excedrin now or something. Just everyone's off on ketamine's normal. It's fine, which is fine. But like. It, I don't know. There's every no. Just if you start dealing with squares out there, weirdos, it's and they act trippy. It's because they're on ketamine. That's yeah, I, I think it's because too. Like they they're really into mushrooms. Like it's really kind of scary how much the right wing is into mushrooms right now. But my hope is that an, enough of them will do mushrooms and go like, hey man war and beating up on minorities is fucked up we shouldn't do that yeah, <laughs> so uh, i think they it have didn't to work find... for tipper gore or al gore they were still warmongers and they were deadheads you know? yeah, yeah yeah i know I, maybe... well, it'd be so if somebody dosed trump like unknowingly like just gave him like three fucking fat ass hits of uh of of, of like lsd or something like crazy three grams like that of mushroom it was fabulous yeah. he wouldn't oh, even know God, he'd be like man i was such an asshole yeah, <laughs> he's he's one of those guys that's never touched or, or drug or, or smoked any. I don't think he's ever smoked a cigarette. Him or had Gene a sip Simmons, of in his you life. know, there's there's always something wrong with those guys. I I, I mean, at least go through a at least try it. You yeah, know, I, I admire it a little bit. I mean, you know, 
Trump They're looks cowards. great for his age. Look at his look at him. Look at he looks so good for his age. He's built in good shape. His hair looks great. The body fucking banging. <laughs> He's snatched. <laughs> Bob, uh, speaking of trains. Uh, <laughs> I'm on the train. I'm on the train. I'm on the train. <laughs> I was I was I was thinking about uh, murder the murder express. Uh, which I loved, and you guys showed oh, me Horror for the first Express. Time. Horror Express, thank you. And you showed mm. him that great uh, Telly Savalas jacket. And uh, so, and I've been watching a lot of variety shows, like, because every freaking star had a variety special in the 70s, every single one. And I just watched a really great one. The, the Fifth Dimension had a great one. But I decided to watch the Telly Savalas Who Loves You Baby variety special. And I got to tell you, this thing was the pits. It is awful. It was terrible. On YouTube or something? Yeah, it's on. They're all. They're all. All the variety specials are on YouTube. The guest stars for the Telly Savalas. Te, here's the thing: Telly Savalas, great actor, good in Murder Horror Express, Dirty Dozen. Not a great singer or dancer, which he does a lot oh. of in this. But he, uh, Diane Carroll's in this. Barbara Eden's in this. Cloris Leachman. Who else you got? You got uh, Ed Hurley, the announcer. But um, it yeah. is not. It is not good. Little it, old me, Ed Hurley. Yeah, <laughs> early. Yeah, it's not good. But Bob, isn't he you, in the? He's in the King of Comedy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he plays. Uh, he plays the Ed, he's McMahon, the Ed McMahon. McMahon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, which I saw in the theater recently. It was amazing. Did oh, you, man. Bob, do, do you, Bob? Do you remember any uh, variety specials that you liked as a kid watching? Or uh, I mean, they were they were just kind of ubiquitous. They were. They must be, have been on every night or something. I, I mean, you know? <laughs> you know, as a small kid, you know, in nineteen seventy seven. The Donnie and Marie show was appointment viewing. Everybody fucking watched that thing. Mm -hmm. Like that sure. was just it. But mostly like when there would be a Bob Hope special or, or like the Telly Savala special, that was like shit my mom would watch that I didn't like. But I, I remember I was stuck in a hotel once and I was mad because the only thing that was on TV was the Perry Como Christmas specials. And uh, it was Perry Como, right? The guy that had the Christmas yeah. specials. Yeah. And I tweeted like, I'm like, this guy sucks. He can't sing. He sucks. And you got mad at me. You're like, no, he's great. <laughs> Perry Como is amazing. <laughs> Man, I love any variety special that has <laughs> one sketch by the Croft puppets. Yeah. Like if, if if the Croft puppets are in, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think oh there, I think there's some Sid and Marty Croft stuff in the Fifth Dimension one, which I highly oh, recommend. Sweet. Yeah, that one's oh trippy. God. When they do up, up, and away, they're all like in a trippy Sid and Marty Croft balloon and stuff. Oh, um, my God. Yeah. For a little while, though, because you're always wanting to go back into the womb and go back into the past. Like, I watched Dancing with the Stars when it started because it reminded me of the Donnie and Marie show. Oh, yeah. It, had, yeah. it had a live band playing that uh -huh. shit. And it, right. it just it was written and produced, and, and the production values were very, very 70s, 60s. Sure. Mitzi Gaynor variety special <laughs> with dancing and and then singing the and people and, and stupid crap happens in them. Like for a while, there was the remember the cavemen were spokesmen for like one of the insurance companies. Yeah, so the they had the cavemen. the cavemen were were hanging out in the audience because I guess they sponsored <laughs> the, the brought, oh my were, god. It was brought to you by like stupid like <laughs> like remember on Donnie and Marie? Maybe none of you do. But the Slee Stacks, these kind of lizard people yeah, from, yeah. Land, yeah. Of the from Lost, Land of the Lost, that's they would show Marty up Croft on Donnie and Marie all the time. They, they would? would? Oh my God. Yeah, they would. Well, yeah, the Croft puppet thing. Oh, I love Slee Stacks. They were, yeah. my, they were, I was so scared of them as a kid. I was obsessed with them. Dude, find some Donnie and Marie episodes because the Slee Stacks <laughs> chased I'm, That's Paul what I'm going to do tonight. I'm just going to watch that shit. That's amazing. Paul Lind. Paul Lind chased by Slee Stacks. That's all I have to say. Oh, my God. That's this my, happened. Okay. Well, that shit, none, nothing like that happens on the Telly Savalas special. I don't. 
I don't know why Telly Savalas was such a big star. Even when I was, by the time I was a kid, he was still a big star doing the Diners Club commercials. Oh or no, whatever. my my wife <laughs> says he is sex on legs. That's why I guess he was really sexy. She'll like, watch I, Kojak. She'll watch Kojak just damn. him bossing people around and him with his shirt open to his navel. Kojak is such like, a huge show. It's crazy. It's like, walking is, around is, like he owns good? New York. Cannon's much better than Kojak. <laughs> well, that's a, you know, as a fat American, I mean, Cannon is my favorite detective. And before we get on with our movies, I do have to say, you know, I'm going on the TCM cruise in a week, health permitting. And I should be better for it. But I we got the schedule of movies today. Oh, sweet. For the TCM cruise. Um, they're showing Live and Let Die with Roger Moore. They're showing a couple Bond movies, which are the most travel porny Bond movies. Uh, Dr. No, Day at the Races, you know, Marx Brothers. A lot of comedy this time. I'm happy with that. I'm really That's happy good. with the schedule. Harvey with Jimmy Stewart. Uh, they're showing The Wild Bunch. But they are showing His Kind of Woman with Robert Mitchum and Vincent Price, who's in our first movie tonight which is a kind of crazy noir comedy with Jane Russell, Mitchum, Vincent Price. It is, it's one of the funniest movies ever made, at least in parts of it also has Raymond Burr um, as the villain. And they're showing out of the past, which those will probably have Eddie Muller, who is uh, going to be on our show next month. Oh, uh, Eddie I'm so Muller excited. I can't believe it. you booked so, Eddie So, yeah, I, I mean, just a lot of good stuff. Uh, the Long Goodbye with Elliot Gould uh, introducing. Love it. That apartment, man. Wow. Yeah. Uh, um, the Circus, which is my favorite Chaplin movie, by the way. They're showing that. Oh, that's not the Jerry Lewis clown one, right? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you know, you, you're having me double check here because it's like, oh, 1928. No, it is not the Jerry Lewis clown movie. Thank God. Uh-huh. I mean, I we are bummed. Rosie and I are bummed. We didn't go the year Jerry Lewis was on the TCM cruise because that was a year where they were like, please come on. You know, it was undersold. And mm. we just couldn't swing it that year. It was like right after Trump got elected. So I didn't really want to be on a boat with a bunch of old people in Florida. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this one's sailing out of San Diego for. I can't believe Sonata. Jerry Lewis did a TCM cruise. By he the way. did. That's, he did. That's so not. He's like, I don't want to be near those people on a boat. You know, that's this guy. He was such a piece of shit. Okay, on uh, Thursday, November 9th, here's the one I'm torn about, and it's around 1130. Uh, California Split with Elliot Gould. That movie's good. That movie's not great. It's not, it's not great. It's good, but 1130 a.m. kind of is in California Split time, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's competing with Footlight Parade, which is my favorite Busby Berkeley uh, 30s movie, because it's the one with Cagney in it. Go see Long Goodbye. Go see... Uh, foot, Long goodbye, yeah. Foot. I mean, and do the right thing. They're showing do the right thing with the uh, DP, director of photography, Ernest Dickerson. Oh, that'll be great. Ernest yeah. Dickerson's a fucking genius. Go yes. listen to that guy talk. He's amazing. Yeah, and Floyd Webb does know him. I asked Floyd, do you know cool. Ernest Dickerson? Mm. And he's like, of course I know Ernest. <laughs> oh, so what other big guests are going to be there? Who's the who's Okay, the okay. The big guests are Kim Novak. Wow. I, I don't think they're showing um, Vertigo, but they are showing The Man with the Golden Arm, the drug addiction movie with Sinatra that she's mm-hmm. in. Uh, Otto Preminger. There's Elliot Gould, Ernest Dickerson. Kim Novak. Uh, George Shakiris from West Side Story, the Greek guy that always mm-hmm. played Latinos yeah, in, in the films. Cool. Yeah, George Shakiris. Um, what is it? Judy Garland, Liza Minnelli's daughter, Judy Garland's granddaughter. Oh, Lorna Luft. She's there and she's doing a singing thing. She's doing a musical performance. So we want to see that. Yes. Oh, it'll be just like one of those 70s variety shows. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> dude. Like, Lor- Lorna Luft. 
the last night they're doing a kind of prom theme, which I'm not so into because like, oh, dress how you would have dressed in the fashions of your prom year. And it's like oh, the man. 80s were not kind to fat people. <laughs> There's just like without going to a tailor, without going to Bob Mackey and having him make me some 80s, 80s thing. I can't really just you peg pants are not kind to the, the, uh, <laughs> the overweight. I mean, it's just nothing you really want to wear. But uh, Rock and Roll High School is playing Counter oh, yeah. the last night after their little prom thing. It's You could go see uh, Rebel Without a Cause or Rock and Roll High School. So I think we're definitely going for Rock and Roll PJ High School. PJ Souls isn't going to be there. She's always there. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of, there. there is like Grease 2 is playing. Like Millie, I asked Millie if she was going to be on Millie DeCherico, if she was going to be pressed into service on the cruise, even though they laid her off, and she's not. But there's still kind of TCM underground vibe. I think they might cancel the underground, but the underground is part of TCM's DNA now. So yeah. even yeah. on the cruise, you're going to... When, when when are you sailing? We're sailing. First day is uh, Monday, November 6th, so it's coming wow, up. very soon. Well, I'm going to be spending a lot of November at the New Beverly, and I just want to call out some highlights to that schedule. If anyone wants to join me uh, on the, the, the third, fourth, and fifth, you got the great double feature of Touch of Evil and Lady from Shanghai. Um, mm-hmm. A very, I don't know what this is, a William great double feature. William Shatner is in, in Impulse and Mako, The Jaws of Death. Never. No, no, do movies. not miss Impulse. Like really? I saw, I saw Impulse at one of these Kaiwata things where he's just projecting a. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they, they've restored it finally. Like he was just projecting. Yeah, a, this is a restored bootleg version. DVD of it. Um, Impulse is the fucking craziest movie Shatner's been in, and we should do it next year. Okay. Um, like um, I swear to fucking God, you. I won't you know. miss it. Every few years, a motion picture is made, which, by its very nature, demands that everyone see it. They're doing the ins- on November seventh and the ninth. They're doing the inspired double feature of the Seventh Seal with Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. I've been oh. waiting for that my whole life, and very excited, you guys, on tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. Brand new, restored 35 millimeter print of Messiah of Evil. It is no longer going to be red and yellow and scratchy. I can finally see that dude's wallpaper. In oh, dude. Oh, so yeah. I'm very excited for that and just want to nice. let everyone know about that. So, yeah. Yeah. If anyone <laughs> wants to uh, grab a couple margs at El Coyote and then go see the new print of my Messiah, hook me up. Hit me up. I'm around. But you've seen Messiah of Evil 80 times now. So if you have a choice the next month, it's dark, though. I don't, want to see a, a, a not dark version. Skip that and see Impulse. Impulse is at the top of your list. I'm going to spend all month at the theater. I'm going to see everything. So. The theater. I'm Vincent Price. And you're invited to my party in the house on Haunted Hill. Where so far the ghosts have murdered only seven people. So won't you come and make it eight? You'll see human heads without bodies. Ah! Mysterious pools of blood dripping from the ceiling. The walls move slowly in against you. Don't try to escape, you can't. The ghosts are waiting, so won't you join me in the house on Haunted Hill? Hurry, or you'll be late for your own funeral. In our first movie, Vincent Price returns to old movies for young stoners as millionaire Frederick Lauren, 
who offers a hand-picked collection of desperate people $10,000 if they could survive one night in an isolated murder mansion with bars on the windows and a steel door that can only be opened from the outside. What could go wrong? Well, there's a pit of acid, floating skeletons, and ghosts capable of killing the living if you listen to Buzzkill Elijah Cook Jr. in a really great performance here. All the haunted house kookiness you could ask for on Halloween from the fevered imagination of William Castle, king of the gimmicks, and filmed in Emerjo, which is better than 3D because Emerjo is real. From 1959, this is House on Haunted Hill. Uh, Corey, do you want to give us a little bit more of a synopsis of this one? Well, you know, it's it, it, it is this the first time the trope of a rich guy is paying you to spend the night at a house that's haunted happened because so many things ripped that off. And um, yeah, it's 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 basically a clue. But the original, um, it starts off with a yes. introduce, introducing a bunch of random people who don't know each other, who all get invited to a house. Vincent Price is the rich guy who's like, I will pay you all $10,000 to spend a night. Or if you die, I'll give it to your next of kin. You meet all these colorful folks. They all come inside. They have a couple drinks. Some murders happen. Some wacky stuff ensues. There's some secret passageways. There's a lot of ghosts and monsters. Uh, some unexplained. I still don't know what some of those monsters are. But I, I, uh, <laughs> I've never seen this movie before. This uh-huh. was a first timer for me. And right away, I, I, I don't. So I don't know who any of the actors are besides Vincent Price. I'd love to hear more about well, them. Well, there's Elijah Cook Jr. Okay, Elijah Cook Jr. Of course, yeah. he's great. Um, there's a couple good, really, really, really great performances in there especially after watching blood feast this is like shakespeare (laughs) (laughs) but i right away i noticed that ennis how that frank lloyd wright ennis house which was Uh very very iconic la icon looks beautiful in this movie um also the rest of this movie looks beautiful when it's filmed from the inside of the mansion a lot of this movie is in the dark which is hard to do in black and white and they even have some scenes where they turn off lights and it looks very cool and it is very creepy. I don't, you know, this movie's what from the early 60s. It's not that scary. But 59. there are some 59. Thanks. There are some very striking scenes. Uh, the first, in fact, after that scene where some of the lights turn off and a woman is exploring the house and she's, she's stuck in a room by herself, we see one of the first, you know, monster scares and it is very, very creepy. It is an old lady. Uh, who's from from afar, and it is very. If I was a little kid and I saw that, it would really give me nightmares. But you just said it's not scary. That's a that's so scary. I guess it was scary. And then the second Fuck, appear yeah. the second appearance of her where she kind of <laughs> slides across the floor. Oh yeah, yeah. is also extremely unsettling like actually yeah you know what I think like the the monster effects in this movie are pretty impressive and quick and and hit you and and not very slow Uh there was another don't you think don't you think it's really well done like where they're tapping on the thing there's like this reverb effect yeah on the the knocking and you're kind of sucked into that and then she just gets up and then boom it's a jump scare yeah yeah you know it's it's a real jump scare that's what i mean by that's what i mean by quick like so much old horror is like slow and 
you know, um, what's the the Christopher Lee? St- the Hammer stuff is just like so, like the just slow and da, da, da. White Zombie yeah. even was kind of right, like right. Very, oh, yeah. No, this is like jump scares and fast and quick, and it like it hits you. Yeah. Like, Whoa, what was that? And it, it yeah, this the imagery is quite striking. There's another scene with one of the ghosts where um, the female lead is getting the rope like uh, uh, motion. Oh stop motion around her feet and like that yeah. goes that ghost looks hella scary too um yeah. and yeah there's very good performances in this movie vincent price price's wife is really good um mm-hmm. i really i really like the woman that plays the reporter who keeps ordering a scotch and uh, <laughs> scotch and she's very like convincing what do you have scotch and she acts like a normal person which a lot of, a lot of people do in old movies um mm-hmm. and the wife yeah the, the wife is so funny i've never seen a couple have so much contempt for each other before. <laughs> oh <laughs> and that is the wife is i took some notes carol omart and she's uh, Annabelle Lauren, the scheming wife of uh, Vincent Price in this. And she's like, just like the Tingler, you know, Vincent always has these wives that want to kill him in these William Castle movies. <laughs> and he, he gives him something to really play off of. And she's great in the movie. I mean, looking at her credits, she's just in a lot of TV and stuff. Like, this is a B movie and one step below B movies is television. So the same thing with mm. uh, Carolyn Craig, who is the the scream queen of the movie. She's the final girl kind of character. Sure. Uh, you know, if they did final girls back then, she would be it. She's got a great scream. And, you know, she's both of them, both, both, uh, both, mm-hmm. both of those women, the old lady, the gossip columnist never really screams. She's above it all. My one no. problem with the gossip columnist is she isn't wearing the crazy hat. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, the hat I, with, I, like I Brennan wears it in, in Clue. Out. You know, uh, they make up for it in Clue. But yeah, there's so many, so many things were influenced by this movie, not just Clue. I see sure. knives, knives Out, A Little Rocky Horror, like tons of stuff. Well, the old Dark House thing, I mean, there's a movie in the 30s called The Old Dark House, directed by James Whale. Does a guy the- offer people $1,000 to spend the night, though? That's that's the gimmick. Well, there's that goes back to like silent movies, at least. I mean, that's okay. just a trope. Oh, yeah. that's just a that's just a formula. And everyone's the there because they're desperate for money or they have information on them or something. That's something like that. Yeah, too. it's just a haunted house. So how do you get people into a haunted house and keep them there? You know, it doesn't make sense because it's not it's not a party if everyone doesn't know each other. You know what I mean? Anyway, go. well, you know, it's a swingers party, man. They're going to put the keys in the bowl, get it on with Vincent Price, man. He's the monkey in the middle. He it can't be understated. Way. It can't be said enough how awesome Vincent Price is in this movie, though. He hold, he's the glue that holds it all together. But I love this. This was so fun. Um, it, and it's it's the right time. You know, I, I this was a fun ass fucking movie. <laughs> well, Greg, did you see this when you were young? Is this one you've seen a lot? Uh, I think I saw it on the Family Film Festival with Tom, uh, Hatton. Tom Hatton. I believe Popeye. I, I believe I saw it. He showed it one Halloween, and uh, I'm I'm honestly most familiar with this movie through clips that appear in It Came from Hollywood, starring uh, Tommy Chong and Dan Aykroyd and Gilda Radner, uh, where they kind of mystery science theater movies. Yeah. Um, before Mystery Science Theater uh, happened. So there's a lot of shots like the zombie head coming into view and, and you know, uh, the, the rubber hand that comes around the corner that they show uh, in that. So I, I'm very aware of this movie. But um, 
Because they show these to show it came from Hollywood on HBO. Like the, the every, skeleton hand coming on her shoulder is the yeah, yeah, they, put, yeah. they put that in every everything. Yeah. Movie. It, yeah. it is a public domain movie, <laughs> yeah. so we could just do with it what we want. So it turns up in a lot of places. This is my favorite of the at least the two William Castle movies with Vincent Price. Mm-hmm. I like this one a little better than the Tingler. I think it just moves better. It has more moving parts. The Tingler gets a little bogged down in its sci-fi explanations, but as brilliant as they are. But uh, I, I mean, I, what do you think of Elijah Cook Jr. and Vincent Price as a comedy duo, as a kind of Laurel and Hardy type? Act? <laughs> That's funny. I mean, I mean, yeah, he, they, they do have a, like a, you're drunk, you know, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when, when Vincent Price, he, he gives everybody guns. He's like, you know, yes. he has these guns, these uh, Colt 45s in little coffins and he unveils them and everybody's kind of looking at the guns. That shot is so good when you don't know what's in the coffin. Yeah. Yeah, You think it might be a dead rat. It could be anything, but it's guns. And Elijah Cook Jr. looks at the gun and goes, these work on the living. Not the dead. These are no good against the dead, only the living. And like That's really good. Vincent Price is just tearing <laughs> it up, just yucking it up, just the yeah. funniest fucking shit. Just this movie's funny as hell, but they're going for it too. They're really yeah. they're actually performing and doing like they would on a the stage in Broadway or something. Or you it's know. campy in a way. Like it's it's a campy thing. It shows a little bit of awareness that they're willing to kind of play it like that like like a yeah like a like a rat-a-tat banter you know almost screwball kind of dialogue that they have yeah especially with the with with um vincent price and his wife they have like super yeah. funny well you tried to murder yeah. me seven times and you're never gonna do it. it's like so funny it's, it's, but they're everyone's aware yeah. everyone's in on it and they're buying into it and they're having a good time of all my wives you're the least agreeable but still alive and that kind of what makes this movie one of the things that makes this movie so fun to sit through because you're having fun with them on screen one thing i have to say about this movie is that this movie scared the crap out of my mother when she was you know 12 or whatever when it came out in 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 1959 she watched it she was excited she watched it with me while i was stoned on the couch and she was kind of complaining about the body count not being high enough. (laughs) And it was really funny, but then I realized, so she said it wasn't scary enough, but it was really scary as a kid. She is the only person, I think, among us who has actually seen it in Emerjo. Oh. Wow. Right? She saw it in Emerjo. She saw the inflatable skeleton and everything. Yes, she saw it with the skeleton coming out and oh. dangling over the audience. What else? What were the other? What, what other gimmicks? Yeah, what other gimmicks? Well, let me there? let me. Okay, to the Tingler, which we talked about before, had these shockers, these kind of joy, these joy buzzers under certain seats in the theater that would buzz people's asses and they'd get up while the Tingler is loose in the theater. Uh, mm-hmm. Thirteen ghosts, uh, which could really use Vincent Price. I think that movie would be as good as any of these if it had him in it instead of the forgettable people it has. That had like the goat, you know, you had this uh, kind of not really 3D glasses and it would have a strip of yeah. ghost detector. And if you wanted to see the ghosts, you'd look through the red 
film. And if you didn't want to see the ghost, you'd look for the blue one because there's a lot of chiding in the William Castle marketing. Like there's yeah. the Coward's Corner for I think homicidal, <laughs> where where you know you would get your money back, but you had to go stand in a corner for the last ten minutes of the movie. So 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 uh, all the theater patrons would see you be cowardly about the shock ending of homicidal. It's so so he was always he was yeah. always kind of chiding you with his, his marketing. Then at the climax of Homicidal, there will be a fright break. If you are too frightened to stay to see the rest of the picture, you can present this certificate at the Coward's Corner and get your full admission price refunded. But Emerjo, okay, there, there's an argument whether it's like GIF and GIF, there's the Emerjo, Emergo, but it's William Castle himself said Emerjo, so it's Emerjo. Okay, there and, you go. Uh, basically what it was is in the scene with the skeleton that we've talked about already that uh this kind of inflatable skeleton would emerge from a cabinet above the movie screen and kind of float out above the audience basically what would happen with little kids kids that mostly it was theaters full of feral children would just be throwing popcorn and cups and shit to try to <laughs> knock the skeleton down so what was your what did your mom say about actually witnessing emerjo she was terrified, absolutely <laughs> terrified the it entire works. time. Wow. And she she did go through and say that would have made me scream back then. You know, that would have made me scream back then. The head in a box, you oh, know, yeah. not to get too spoilery, but there's all kinds of shit in this movie. And, you know, yeah, she's right. There's not enough collateral damage probably in this movie. It'd be raise the stakes a little bit if a couple of those other numbskulls would have uh, met a creative end. But it does have a pretty great acid throw into, you know, that's that final kill yeah. is pretty fucking horrific if you think about it. It's you have to think well about too. it. It looks real. But it's like, <laughs> yeesh. There's this acid pit in the basement. <laughs> yeah, oh think, yeah. Do you think they're being a little too casual with it? Because Elijah Cook Jr. is supposed to be this acid that'll just melt you at the slightest touch, and he takes this. Elijah Cook Jr. is showing people that have that the acid is acid, and yeah, he yeah, finds yeah. a dead rat on a big rat trap in the garage in the basement, and he in the cellar, and he goes and he dumps it. He just like plunks it in, and the fucking acid oh, splashing yeah. all over the place. I'm like, these people would have like big old fucking gouges or of on their leg their pants would be eaten away because they're just oh, like eyebrows gone yeah they're just tossing that shit around <laughs> I, I knew i knew well, i mean it's it's chekhov's gun i knew that was going to be the set piece at the of end. course oh it's that, got a big build up but i was so waiting for it and then when it happened i was like yes i was it wasn't like a boring thing waiting it wasn't frustrating but uh, it was it was satisfying it was a satisfying uh-huh now, now, Rob White, who wrote this in the Tingler, I, I for the Tingler episode, the Vincent Price does drugs. I read yes. interviews with him from uh, the '80s in Fangoria. He just said like the requirement was like William Castle had bought these like you know the the head and that hand, the kind of weird gorilla right. hand, and and all these various props. And it's like you know uh-huh. like when he was writing the Tingler, it's like you got to find a place for these because we bought these things for House on Haunted Hill. Mm-hmm. What did, is that hand ever explained of what it is? It's never explained in either movie. No, I know what it is. It's 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 part of the trickery. It's like it's like it's like a Vincent Price is behind the curtain kind. No, of thing. it's the it, no, the no spoilers, but it's oh. it's one of it's a it's a it's a, it's one of those movies where there's no real ghosts. Yeah, it's all trickery. And it's all I trickery, was expecting yeah. there to be like at the end, at the very end. 
oh, maybe a fucking ghost did kill somebody. You know, like yeah, Elijah, look, or something. Elijah, Elijah Cook gets still has that worried look on his face, though. Okay, so wait, okay, oh, yeah. wait. Let's let's crack this egg open for a second. Let's try to break this down. So, okay, when Mrs. Uh, Styles, no, what's her name? Mrs. Slides. Yes, her, her name is Miss Jonas Slides. Jonas Slides' wife. They're the help. She's blind. Yeah, so she right. looks. They make her look crazy in this movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so there's a scene where the Scream Queen, what's her name, sees Jonas Slide's wife and yeah. she slides across the floor, right? Yeah. She yeah. doesn't move like a normal person. She moves like a ghost. So did they like tie this poor lady's ankles to roller skates and like pull her or something like that? No, <laughs> uh, no, they were. Uh, okay. I, I read that as. They're trying to scare people away from the house because they know that someone's going to get killed. Okay. Got it. Right. Right. They know someone's going to get killed. You know, it's heavily implied that it's Vincent Price who's going to be killing somebody. But Uh I guess they must have known that, (laughs) you know, what was going on, what's really going on. And and so uh, the, oh, the help was trying to scare them away. They were trying to scare they them were being away. Good, they're good guys. Like, get out of here kind of thing. But like, get out. Okay, remember, the, the 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 caretaker grabs her and says, come with us. I'll kill you. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah so he's tra- they're trying to get that. And then thank you. They have <laughs> their chance to, like, bring people out of there. But they just leave so fast that no one can leave. Oh, yeah. They didn't lock the doors. They're like, get out. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's so they did early. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> the scary blind lady, uh, Leona Anderson, uh, she is uh, the young, the younger sister of uh, Bronco Billy, uh, Gilbert Bronco Billy Anderson, one of the first uh, silent Western stars or of yeah. cinema Western stars, Nepo movie baby. Western stars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's of course best known for House on Haunted Hill, but she was, was in movies going back to 1915. Wow. Yeah. I wonder if she looks like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's a picture of her on IMDb here. You know, with kind of her flapper hair and stuff. You know, she. No, yeah, but we did, we didn't really expose. The, we didn't spoil the the, who the uh, twist. Guys, was. look, the movie, the movie. It's a hundred years old. I know. The but, movie um, is a bunch of fucking fun. And I didn't. I yeah. didn't see. I didn't see the. I saw. I knew there was a twist coming. Who. who I didn't realize who was going to be revealed. So that was. It, yes. You know, because it's got Vincent Price. Good involved, writing. Rob was a good writer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, dude, like him, Robert Town. I mean, yeah. dude, they're fucking good. <laughs> I, I know, you know, fucking, you know, Roger Corman on all those Poe movies and everything. He's got, he's got Richard Matheson. He's got Charles Beaumont. He has Robert Town. But I, yes. mean, I, I don't think Ro- Roger Corman in his Vincent Price movies is doing any better than William Castle did with Rob White in those two. No, no, absolutely not. I always kind of think well that it, it always feels like Roger Corman snared. Uh, like it was like a kind of baseball signing deal, you know, like a free mm-hmm. agent, like Vincent Price. He 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 uh, signed, uh, poached uh, Vincent Price right. from William Castle. It's mm-hmm. you know probably it's the money. It was just, all business for Roger Corman. Well, didn't care. I, well, I mean, it was business for for William Castle too. They called I him the so. Earl of Deferral. Well, this mm. movie seems like there is some care into made into it. It's a good movie. Corey, you're a newbie to, to House on Haunted Hill. What weed did you smoke with House on Haunted Hill? Well, 
Emerjo makes. I've never done a D box before. Have any of you guys done a D box? What's before? a D box, Corey? A D box is where you sit in the theater and you spend thirty dollars and you watch something on IMAX and like it'll spray water in your face and shake. Oh, you. that yeah, okay. Yeah, the thing where it like shakes. Like it's you like around. the Disney Star Tours thing. But <laughs> yeah, in a but it's movie in theater. it's in an AMC. Yeah, yeah. I haven't never done that, but people are doing it. I don't want to keep repeating myself, but people, these Cali Clear disposable vapes are twenty dollars. And they last for weeks, and they get you hella high. And this one I smoked this week was Cali Clear Runts flavored, and it was for twenty dollars at my local dispensary. And um, let me read to you about Runts. Runts, also known as Runts OG, Runts is made by crossing Skittles and Gelato, and it is loved for its incredibly fruity flavor profile that smells just like a bag of sugary candy we all know and love. Runts is celebrated for its creamy smoke that is smooth and welcoming. The strain of weed produces euphoric highs and uplifting effects that are known to be long-lasting. So that one made me really smile the whole time while I watched House on Haunted Hill. Okay, Greg, what did you and your mom toke up on while watching the House on Haunted Hill? (laughs) She did no toking, but... uh... I did, you know what I did is I, this I'm, This is not going to be that helpful for the listeners out there, but <laughs> I smoked weed that a dude gave me. Yeah. I have Again? no idea. I don't know what it is. Greg, your time in Ukiah is surprisingly becoming <laughs> disadvantageous to our program. Well, what, what, did, what did the dude look like if he was a rock and roll star? Like Frank Zappa? Oh, what uh, would he look like? <laughs> uh, he would look like he's in Los Lobos. Los Lobos? Oh, good. Oh, okay. that's oh, yeah. gotta be good. That, yeah. it's, it's good weed. Really mm-hmm. good weed. But I don't know what the fuck it is. His cousin and definitely grew it. He wanted yeah, some yeah. records. He gave me some weed. I took the, I gave him the records. I took the weed. What records? And that's what I smoked. <laughs> and so if you get any weed from any dude. From a guy. <laughs> from a guy, you know, it kind of puts you back in the 90s headspace, you know, a little bit where it's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm smoking. You know, it's what my dude had. We didn't even that's... know that there was uh, any other stuff. It was like, is it? It's Mexican weed. It's 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 a uh, Humboldt weed, or it's yeah. it's from Outdoor. Asia somewhere, homegrown. <laughs> I like, knew Thai stick from uh, Cheech and Chong movies. Yeah, right. yeah, Thai, thai <laughs> yeah. stick. Uh, that was my sister's. That was my sister's brand for a while. Uh-huh. Um, thai and stick. It, it was tied to a stick, just like Cheech <laughs> says. Fantastic marketing, but Greg. Greg, do you remember what records he took? Oh. oh, it it was like yeah, it was a bunch of blues stuff. Okay, Sonny like, Boy Williamson. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he might have gotten lucky and got a few of those. <laughs> Maybe a Taj Mahal or two. That's exactly it. You know, this is kind of a bad week for our weed recommendations because I think Corey's the only one with his head on straight about these. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I, I suffer from serious sciatica pain, and you know, I know that there's a billion bozo comedians out there who would say that he's just fat and get a bunch mm-hmm. of laughs out of cruel people in those comedy clubs. But, yeah, uh, but anyway, I mean, I've, I've laughed at those. I laugh at. I laugh just like all the other terrible people when I'm not in pain. So I've just been eating like. Until I finally got the magic pills from the hospital for a while, mm-hmm. I was trying to do this without the magic pills from the hospital. So I was just eating wild. This is wild, right? W Y L D. Yes, yes. Yeah, so wild, uh, wild cannabis infused pon- 
pomegranate gummies and I went for 10 and or one to one 10 milligrams mm. CBD 10 milligrams THC because I just wanted to be really high but relaxed later on you know I don't know if you want your medical you know, your cannabis wellness on old movies for young stoners but after a while I was like oh you know if you get another if you have another thing of these delivered you should go for like five milligrams thc and then like 15 mm. 10 15 20 milligrams of cbd in this situation Higher because dose. my mind my mind got a little too active like i'm trying to just fall asleep in front of the rawhide channel uh-huh. on pluto but i kept on like being too concerned or too into what was going on in rawhide to fall asleep so i'm like your brain's too engaged you don't need to be this thoughtful right now but <laughs> um i watched house on haunted hill that stone i think i watched that after i got the real meds but i was still eating edibles and smoking Mm -hmm. so i mean i was just high i was as high as i am right now oh man yeah just as fucking high as i could be watching house on haunted hill i've seen it a hundred times but uh you know there's always you know the one thing i admired about house on haunted hill this time okay the movies the exteriors the ennis house exteriors in the beginning of the movie right Okay. That's the only time the Ennis house is actually used in the picture. Sure. Right. And the rest of it's just on these cheap sound stages. Mm -hmm. But what impresses me, by the way, the Ennis house, it's in Blade Runner. It's Mm -hmm. a Mayan modern house. And it is, uh, it was uh, designed by Frank Lloyd Wright. It's a famous house in LA. And it has this, it has this uh, kooky, it's trying to look like a Mayan temple. All his houses look like that. It's a a lot of them. A lot of Frank Lloyd Wright. Uh, he made these kind of cement poured, they're not medallions, but they're not tiles, but they're these cement paving tiles that give it that kind of Mayan look. And what impresses me, I gotta give my hat, take my hat off, not that I'm wearing a hat, to the art director of this film, the prop makers, the set builders, because they actually put those motifs in like the basement and sticking out of various parts of the house where I'm like, I can't believe anybody actually paid that much attention and said, Oh, we need to make it look like it's the end of house. <laughs> like, I, Hey guys, whoever you are, you're probably long since dead, but you are fucking awesome. Thanks for doing that. I love those, those, uh, those closets with the smooth wall with nothing in them at all. There's no storage and there's whatsoever. Like a hundred of them. <laughs> <They're> just <laughs> a plain wall. And it's like, what is this wall made out of? Like rock or, or, or you know, I know it's plywood or whatever, but could even know, just like, be a canvas, it? you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, they're knocking on it and hearing reverb. Oh, that's sounds. true. That's true. They but, could over, they could even uh, do the overdubs then. But you're right. It's just it's just plywood. Yeah, yeah. I'm it, telling it's you, it's not like it's. <laughs> I'm telling you, the lighting's good in this movie. Like when yeah. they're in the dark and the door opens and he goes in, you can't see him anymore. When the ghost lady like backs out and she fades away, it's very cool. Dark playing with dark and light and stuff actually. House on a Haunted Hill is available on Canopy, a free streaming service available at participating libraries. Ask your librarian about Canopy. And, you know, House on a Haunted Hill, it is in the public domain, so it's streaming everywhere else. YouTube, Archive, Tubi, Prime. Print quality may vary in those other places. You know, the Canopy print is always going to be your best print. So if you got a library card, go for it, man. Go for it. Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to witness some scenes from the next attraction to play this theater. This picture, truly one of the most unusual ever filmed, contains scenes which under no circumstances should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. We urgently recommend 
that if you are such a person or the parent of a young or impressionable child now in attendance, that you and the child leave the auditorium for the next 90 seconds. By 1963, former Chicago ad man Herschel Gordon Lewis and his business partner David Friedman had made a few really tame nudie movies, but with only moderate profits. The problem was the market was already flooded with sub-softcore skin flicks, so the duo had to find a new taboo to break. Camped out at the Suez Motel in Miami, their makeshift movie studio, they wrote up a list of movie subjects that other movie producers either wouldn't or couldn't touch. Lewis and Friedman decided that extreme gore was the way to go, and they changed movie making and American tastes forever. With a rumored budget of $24,500, buckets of goat entrails, and some inspiration from the Suez Motel's Cleopatra Kitsch decor, they slapped together this shocker about a mad Egyptian caterer who is butchering the young women of the suburbs to bring the goddess Ishtar back to life. It's the movie that dares to ask the burning question, have you ever had an Egyptian feast? From 1963, this is Blood Feast. Greg was giving me his best food <laughs> <laughs> look on Zoom here. Yeah, here, let me let me get a screenshot of that. <laughs> Man, you were making me crack up with that. Greg, uh, do you want such a good impression? <laughs> Greg, tell us. Uh, you know, you 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 were really excited. I know you were excited for Felina to experience this film, uh, but you I were know. really excited when we programmed it. Yes. Tell us. Tell us about Blood Feast. Uh, give us fill us in a little bit more about Blood Feast. Well, Blood Blood Feast is a movie i didn't see this movie until i had already first seen a british docuseries about cult films called the incredibly strange film show hosted by jonathan ross um it came out in the late 80s i saw a l many episodes of it probably not all of them but uh, amongst jackie chan and john waters and sam raimi and you know all these others doris wishman russ meyer Amongst them was Herschel Gordon Lewis, and he said everything in everything about what you just said about what the 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 studios couldn't make or wouldn't make, and that ended up being gore. He gave that whole thing, all those stuff that he's done. There's really like I guess a triptych of films here. There's Blood Feast, there's uh, Ten Thousand Maniacs, and there's uh, Color Me Blood Red, which incidentally stars my, my brother is in a kind of folk rock duo that just reunited recently called dan and leland and, dan and leland is back dan and leland is back oh okay never mind and, Sorry, guys. <laughs> and no uh leland's mother is the star of color me blood red whoa uh which is an interesting uh it, kind of weird thing interesting tidbit but all those movies are just totally disgusting they're absolutely fucking vile movies they're so incompetently made they're so incompetently acted they're it's just everything i i'm shocked 20 the twenty four thousand dollars is the budget because zero ends up on the screen in this movie negative twenty four hundred dollars ends up on the screen 
and it's so bad. Uh, like uh, I, you just can't help but laugh. You know, oh like God, there's yeah. 20, 23 year old guys playing old men with gray in their hair. Oh, there's like the gray in the hair. <laughs> my God, you know, and the print on canopy is like a restored print. I have never it's so bright seen this movie like this. Like I've seen it on like shitty VHS and like really crappy versions of it that you can barely see. And and this was very crazy to watch it on canopy in such vivid restoration. You can really see how bad it is. Like, it's fucking crazy, man. Like, we were just fucking cracking up. And, you know, and I was, again, I watched it with my mother. She oh, said, God, poor Becky. She, she said it was elder abuse to, to watch the movie. She said it was the worst movie that she has ever seen in her wow. life. Wow. See, see, she said that about like King Creole and some shit. Oh, it's I know. like, like the bullshit. You know, oh, bullshit, yeah, she, Becky. Yeah. Like, I mean, oh, she said that about uh, all, yeah. all night long. Like, I mean, oh, this, I know, yeah, I, I know. know. She, but like, you well, finally showed oh. her. You took her down yes. to where the bad shit really is, and that oh, bad shit man. is at the Suez Motel in Florida. That's where that bad shit is. It's fucking crazy. This movie, and if you're high, if you're like stoned watching this movie, it is it. It's a joy. Like it's really funny. It's so fucking funny. All the acting is just God. The cops are oh, just let's, so fucking outrageous. Let's let's, let's hold off uh, on the cops a little bit. I think they weren't their own segment. They uh, do. They're in. But but amongst other things, this movie. Just to wrap this up, it is. It is like just so absolutely appalling that you have no choice. <laughs> it's one of those ones where, for me, I laugh so hard that like no sound comes out sometimes. <laughs> like it just gets me. This fucking movie. There's bad. There's bad. Right. Yes. There's bad, and then there's bad, bad. But then there's boring bad. Like um, oh, cats yeah. is just boring, bad. Or uh, the room, I sure. think it mostly is. You know, you have to wait for the events, and mostly the room is just like boring, bad. But this yeah. is bad in a very watchable way. I would say, <laughs> right? I I was never bored during the uh, ninety seven. No, less than that. It's like sixty two minutes. Sixty two minutes. It's like yeah. It's like or it maybe does get boring in the middle though. Like during oh yeah during Pete's oh, dude. love stuff. Um, oh, yeah, that lecture is. <laughs> Fucking so crazy! I mean, uh, and then there's like a romance side story that is so boring. Uh, well, those oh. two people are actually married. They actually got married. Uh, Connie, Pete, Pete, our hero, and, Pete, and, and Pete. Uh, all right. So, uh, so there is there is one guy in this movie for some reason. Yeah. He is never miked, and you can't hear a word he's saying. And it's, it's Pete's partner. For some reason, everyone in the scene you could hear, and then all of a sudden, Pete's partner is like, "All right, Pete's a long, hard one." Pete, it's like, what's like, well, you can't hear. Why is he not? I know. Picked up I love it when he says, "Well, one thing's for sure: this is a long, hard one." Oh, and his the friend best says, "I know what you mean." He says, "I know what you mean." <laughs> that's the gayest. That's the gayest line in any horror movie. Okay, you know, so so Fuad Ramsey's the mad Egyptian caterer. That he's, guy is crazy. He's staggering. Mal Arnold is the actor's name, and uh, oh. we'll talk a little more about him. But amazing he, performance. He's just staggering all over the Miami suburbs in like yes. he's, he's got this horrendous limp. 
So he's no one slow, notices, and he looks freaky <laughs> and weird, like a wannabe Bella Lugosi. And he has this huge machete, and he's just hacking these women in their front yards, practically yeah, on yeah, their yeah. suburban lawns. He's hacking them apart, and then those two cops Pete, in, day, the other in guy, daylight, by the in way, daylight, in daylight, in broad daylight, and, and Pete and the other guy in are front like, of their oh, boyfriends. Sometimes. This guy's this guy's just a master criminal. I, I can't I believe it. They have no clues, no leads. And there's this the, one of the first kills we see are these is this teenage girl who's on a like a, a makeout date and yeah the, the boyfriend tony clearly sees what happens he's oh. so slow at getting to the crime and then he's like i didn't see what happened and then he's like his performance when he's upset is out of this world like <laughs> oh i never i've never seen anyone act like that on tv no <laughs> he, he he's no. the one who's really saw that that guy saw that is his chance his break in the business <laughs> and he was just gonna like i'm gonna be the next Brando. I'm just going to really, I'm yeah. going to be the new James Dean. I'm going to really go for it. Right. So, all right. So Mr. Ramsey, what's his first yes. name? Fuad. Fuad, Fuad, Fuad Ramsey. Ramsey owns Fuad a catering Ramsey. service. Yeah. Yes. He makes he Egyptian need, feasts. He needs to do this Egyptian blood ritual and feed people blood. And so this lady comes in and she's like, Hey, I'm going to have a party. Well, there's his opportunity to complete the blood ritual to bring back the goddess Isis. I don't know. Was Ishtar. This Ishtar, thank you. Was this during uh, when like there was King Tut mania in America? No, no. This no. is like no 15 years before that. <laughs> but you, okay. but, but you, you know, watching this movie, you would think that half of the America's youth was <laughs> yeah. so entranced. Wow, you know how much I mean the Egypt e stuff, guys. Right? Egyptian like, culture, and then Pete, I know Pete the Pete the cop, the cop really even is like super. Oh, I'm such a fan of Egypt. <laughs> Agent Egypt. I just fucking go. I can't get enough. Okay, the first woman, <laughs> the one who gets, I believe, the sheep's tongue ripped out of her mouth. Yes. Um, yes. She has a book on her, but she's she's taking this book on the occult written by Fuad Ramses into the bathtub yes. with her. And you think yes. that they would have like just thought a little more of that as some kind of clue or something, and well. they just don't. It's a, let me, can I ask a question? This is about the most, the, this is the most, we said touch of evil was the most, the most a cab movie ever made, but I, I think blood oh, feast is because these cops are just incompetent. Oh dude, they're the most incompetent. And do you know what? Then this is a little bit of a, of a storytelling, you know, thing, but also like, I found it so hilarious that they finally accidentally kill the bad guy. And then, and only then, after all of the stuff is done, only then do they solve the crime. <laughs> they explains the entire thing. Only after the fucking guy is dead already. That was and there's very no lazy tension. writing, I would say. Very lazy uh, writing. <laughs> we're not going to care about spoil, spoilers here, but... Yeah. Uh, well, everyone's yeah. seen this movie except me, so... Fuad Ramsey's kids, he jumps, he tries to get away from the cops and, okay, here's the... Fuad Ramsey's... Best this chase scene. Best chase scene ever. He can yeah. barely <laughs> That's like That's better that. than the with the but uh, rat finka boo-boo and the monkey. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Pete, Pete and... Uh, Pete the cop and his cop friend, his partner... <laughs> They're chasing him, and they're like the anti-cannon. Like, cannon can yeah, be chasing yeah. after this, like, totally athletic, you know, uh -huh. street street dude and yes. who's 18 years old and is just running like, running like yeah. Usain Bolt. And uh -huh. somehow cannon catches him. These right, guys right. are chasing this crippled, handicapped old man who can, can't even walk barely. And somehow <laughs> they're running full speed, and somehow they just cannot gain any 
no. yardage on this guy. No. And and he's so far ahead of them that only only he waits until they're like at least a football field away before he throws his fucking uh machete at them. There's no way he could throw it far enough to even come close to them. And he just just oh my god, it's movie the uh, it's the direction. The just the direction is it's just there. amazing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but um, incredible. I would say a great double feature with this movie would be Serial Mom, which is totally John Waters' version, his version of yes. Blood Feast. And yes. he really leans into like what I love about this movie and what he take a lot of he takes so much for Serial Mom. Like I think they even show this movie in a scene in Serial Mom. And uh oh, it's just they do. Yeah. They don't but they don't even try to hide who the killer is. The killer's doing uh, it in front of everybody. It's just from scene one. Yeah, from scene <laughs> one. It's just everyone knows who it is. It's very, yeah. very obvious who it is. So it's it, that's a very funny thing he took from <laughs> from this movie and put into Serial Mom. You know, right? But he, I mean, I mean, he John Waters always talks about this movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, while we're talking about double features and things, if you do the double feature of this episode or you do different things, I mean, really, you should have a Halloween potluck pot party. And watch one of these movies, both of these movies, Serial Mom. What uh, you, these both House on Haunted Hill and Clue would be fun yeah. as hell. Dude. Yeah, or Blood Feast, and you can serve spaghetti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or or just go get like shawarma <laughs> or something. Have it really. I love how bright the blood is in this movie. And they're so they're using real they're using real animal organs. Is that what you're? Oh telling yeah, me? yeah. That's so did George Romero in the you yeah. know they're they're using. Mm-hmm. But I mean the scale. George would try to at least keep it right, but the scale here where they're ripping out this like cow tongue. The tongue is like this yeah (laughs) well at the end when it's he's he's cooking everybody and it's pretty gore it's that's pretty gory room it's pretty on a big scale it's just like blood no yeah it's not very sustainable of him to like get one ingredient from each from one girl you know one ingredient like he is very inefficient in his uh, methods these movies are like an 80s discovery because it's not like they could ever show them on television Mm. You know, they just kind of, they couldn't be part of a TV package ever because they're that fucking gory. So they just disappear. They aren't on late night TV in the 70s. Mm -hmm. But when the video market starts up, and especially Mm -hmm. because horror films like Halloween and Scanners and, you know, all the, you know, just all those like Phantasm, Dawn of the Dead, these horror movies are making lots of money. So that all the video companies, all these VHS companies spring up and they're just, you know, they're making for the new video uh, VHS market, the video rental market. They're just fi- anything they could find that they could put on a movie to put on a tape they're putting out so herschel gordon lewis gets rediscovered he's interviewed in fangoria and i i was like i remember like you know we it's like almost a dare to see them like these movies are very gory and you'd see the pictures (laughs) from wizard of gore of you know this woman just getting sawed in half yeah yeah what's his most popular movie Uh, probably i think it's this it is okay 2000 maniacs i think is his best movie that's the movie mm-hmm. I'll go to the mat for for him. I think he's reaching a little more there. Well, I'm uh, going to go to the mat for Blood Feast. I loved every minute of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. But I was, I, we were surprised. I think me and Zane, my friend Zane, watched it when we were 12 or 14. And we were surprised at how funny we thought it was. We weren't 
white expecting Ed Wood type shit out of it. Yeah, that's yeah, what we yeah. got. I love Ed Wood shit. I, I <laughs> love it. almost feels like a spoof of Dragnet sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. it's yeah. just so lazy. It's just so lazy to have uh, the cops. Oh, you know, you're in Florida. You're just yeah. trying to make a buck. They filmed a lot of this at that Suez motel. They would just rent a whole yeah. wing of this fucking cheap motel in Miami. It looks cheap and it looks great and it looks it looks it looks kitschy. It's perfect. It's perfect. I, I think the Egyptian lecture is probably Probably in like a banquet room there. Yeah. You know, it's just like, oh, here's a conference room. It's, so. it's a 60 minute movie. That thing feels like it goes on forever. Yeah, Jesus. exactly. It, it feels longer than Killers of the Flower Moon. <laughs> the best film ever from Martin Scorsese. You know, that was a Kundun. Now, Bob, did they, I believe they made a remake of this movie. They made there, a sequel I, that's directed by Herschel Gordon Lewis. Somebody ponied up okay. some money in the nineties and it's uh, called blood feast Two: all you can eat, but I've never seen okay. it. Okay. Okay. But there's no, no one made a remake of this. I think that maybe there's they like a, did. I don't maybe know. one on the, I'm doing the, know. I'm doing the, I was research. thinking about it. Like if you were going to remake this movie today. Okay. Yes. You were you right. You have to serve the fucking feast, right? Like yeah. the feast has to be served, right? Like that's something that should have happened in this movie to horrify everyone. Oh yeah, there's and a 2016 remake of this shit. Yes, right. Which we didn't remember because that's the year that Trump got elected and yeah. stuff. Trump, that's so. another thing Trump took from us. If, yeah. if, if, if he wasn't yeah. elected that year, we could have enjoyed this fucking yeah. Blood Feast remake, okay? We could have enjoyed right. it. Exactly. Now I haven't seen it either, but I do hope that like the feast gets served and that Isis comes back or uh, Ishtar comes back and is like this golden woman with like blue eyeshadow that like just kills everybody and that's goes a on a ending. rampage. And that's what the movie is. Well, check this you know? out. Blood Feast 2016 is the third remake of the 1963 movie of the same name, the first being the 1978 low-budget video nasty called Mardi Gras Massacre. Okay. And the second being the 1987 comedy horror Blood Diner. Okay, that's a stretch. I don't know if Blood Diner... That's a stretch. Movie. Yeah, that's kind of just... I've a, seen Blood Diner. That's movie. a rip-off, not a remake. Right. But there exactly. is also, from 2002, so this came out after the remake of Blood Feast. There is Blood Feast 2, All You Can Eat. So Herschel Gordon fucking Lewis directed a sequel to this shit in 2002. Because some nerds like wow. us, like Greg, it's people like us, but who made yes. money and obsess over this bullshit. Here. They figured out that they could fucking hire Herschel Gordon Lewis. I bet Rob Zombie produced it. I bet you Rob Zombie produced <laughs> yeah. it. I bet he, he, it was, he, he lost money on it and he doesn't care. He's like, at least I got to work with HGL. Yeah, I mean, I would do it. I'd do it in a hot second. I mean, yeah. that, that's the other thing is like, you know, uh, the incredibly strange film series that Greg talks about or reading the old Fangoria's is that reading about guys like Herschel Gordon Lewis uh, hanging out in this crappy hotel, making this fucking movie, even if it's a bad movie, it's a memorable right. movie. That was like aspirational to all of us. We all wanted to go hit up our dentist uh, uncles yes. to give to give us money. When when Greg and I did Incredibly Strange Wrestling, that's what we were trying to do with the means that we had available to us. Yes, and that's right. 
And we we really just wanted to be like uh, Sam Raimi or or Herschel Gordon Lewis at the at the Suez Motel in Miami, just making these lurid movies. That's that's all we. I don't think I ever. But you really ended up being a Ray Dennis Steckler instead. No, just kidding. yeah. We're still trying. Now we're just talking. I love Ray Dennis. Stuff. Corey, what kind of weed? Again, I don't want to repeat myself, but well, I repeat yourself, Corey. Drank this week the. Pabst Blue Ribbon High Seltzer, but a oh. new a, a new kind, the Daytime Guava, which is 10 milligrams of THC, 5 milligrams of THCV. Oh, is that what you're talking about? It is. There you oh, go. Th- that's, oh, THCV. That's, Jurassic the, that's Jurassic. I got it. I got some. You got the Jurassic weed. How did it make you feel, Corey? How did it well, make you feel? Man, it didn't make me feel a little buzzy and awake, which was fine for blood feast. So I, and I love these things. So, yeah, hey, guess what? I've already been taking the Jurassic weed. Um, I so, recommend these Pabst Blue Ribbons. I mean, is it too, maybe it's too corporate and you should go with your mom and pop uh, weed soda, but just get yourself a good weed soda. But I like these Pabst Blue Ribbons. And it's well, not my fault. We've already plugged them uh, in, during the Midnight Madness episode. And it's not my know. fault. I live in a capitalist society. I was born here and it's not my fault. So, yeah, there you go. I'm brand yes. loyal. There's no such thing as ethical consumption. In in a capitalist society, especially when you're consuming weed sodas. <laughs> uh, Greg, uh, before we get to your weed wrecks, there was a question I had for you that I forgot. Okay. How did this movie make you feel as a vegetarian? Uh, well, it's certainly not vegan, uh, this movie. Um <laughs> uh, I'm I'm more bothered by movies where and even some of these are movies that I actually really like like El Topo or Pink Flamingos where movie, animals are actually killed, you know, on screen, but the movie's really good. You know, that's more of an ethical conundrum for me than going, they went to the butcher shop, they bought some meat, you know, the meat didn't get eaten, but it did be, get, get to become, you know, uh, immortalized, iconic, immortalized. <laughs> <laughs> in film <laughs> yeah i mean you know it could have just gotten ground into sausage but and enjoyed it a family it, cookout but. it could have i mean it was it was there i'm i i don't think that those guys did anything more than ask for scraps at the butcher um oh, they probably because, stole them out of the dumpster or yeah, like a tiger king <laughs> <laughs> See, back when you could turn a dime, back when you could turn a dime yeah. off of making a crappy movie and getting it into a Southern driving circuit, that's what weirdos did. And yeah. now they got to be the fucking Tiger King. So like, because mm-hmm. they've, they've made the film and television business so unprofitable that people are oh. like endangering animals in themselves. It was the perfect scam. Making now, movies. did these films get shown? <laughs> was there a circuit in California? They, they, they got shown. They, they. Um, you know, but really you could, you can make it regional then the whole thing about the 42nd street, you know, grindhouse cinemas. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, not just the porn cinemas, but like the grindhouse ones that would show shit like this is that you could bounce around, uh, New York and, right. and just be shown in those grindhouses and actually make back your money of, of the film because these films are all very low budget. The Andy Milligan films, especially mm-hmm. like just really, really piss poor production values, but they could just make their, their money back from, from the grindhouses in New York. Wow. Herschel Gordon Lewis ends up, he cuts all these deals with these, uh, circuits that run drive-ins mostly in the South. And, and you mm-hmm. know, it was shown elsewhere too. I'm sure it was shown in California. 
But yeah, right. these these were they're almost underground, but everything um Well like that old theater that was on Market Street for a long time. Oh yeah, the the like um, it would have shown Francis. that. Yeah. Yeah, they would have shown that, right? Oh yeah, definitely. They that might like, that's that would have been where it would have been shown back then. That's okay, where so, that's yeah. where that's where Mia and Deanna met working from Frightwig. Oh well, yeah. yeah. They, they both St. Francis, for, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I well, saw and, Black Dog with Patrick Swayze there. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and Meatloaf. <laughs> Yeah, meatloaf. meatloaf. Meatloaf's in that movie. <laughs> what did the guy who gave you weed in a sack in Ukiah look like for this movie? <laughs> Same guy. Same guy. Oh well, I mean, how many? I mean, I, I don't get weed from everybody in town. You know, <laughs> like it is a rare thing, even still in Ukiah, but it's more common here than probably most places to uh, get weed from somebody for. Uh, trade for records okay so so you did you you smoke the same weed for blood i smoke the same weed next time uh, you know i was looking around at like oh what blood weed is there you know like i sometimes i'll just like try to see if there's a strain i can get um and the only one that i saw what sounded good is blood orange you know sounds like that'd be a tasty thing but uh i didn't smoke it and is there (laughs) any ishtar weed (laughs) There's got to be an Ishtar fucking fucking strain, right? Kushtar. Fishtar. Kushtar. Guys, (laughs) I I hope the listening audience Mm -hmm. for old movies for young stoners uh, wasn't really banking on great weed recommendations. Corey, thank you for doing them. Drink a Pabst Blue Ribbon weed soda. They're great. Yeah, yeah, I I was just, you know, I'm at the mercy of... But drink it like a half hour before you... Drink it like a half hour before you watch Blood Feast. Here's the thing. Blood Feast is for stoners this is a stoner movie yeah, anything you movie. smoke is good <laughs> yeah, with blood gonna, yeah this is a trippy oh yeah fun. you can't go wrong it's so funny and it's so weird I, I, and it's one of those movies when you're high you're like why do they do that i don't know <laughs> <laughs> blood feast is available through canopy you know it's free from the library look i know you're stoned librarians they don't care if you're stoned they deal with the unhoused all day folks you will not be the most fucked up person in the library just go get your fucking library card get over your fears i mean you get the library card and then you can set up your canopy account at home on your laptop or your ipad just go do it there's look there's a great print of horror express one of Corey's favorite films on there there's just amazing amazing stuff on canopy so go there uh it's also streaming on tubi Blood Feast is on Tubi, and I checked out the Tubi print. Uh, it looks like it's the same one as Canopy, so usually it's, there can be. So, that wraps up our second Halloween episode for 2023. Uh, hey, Corey, do you have any big Halloween plans? Do you have anything going on? I'm going to dress up like uh, Squid Game or Fortnite or whatever the kids are dressing up like nowadays. I'm going to go to Beverly Hills, and I'm going to get that rich people candy. Ooh. Trick or does, treat, motherfucker. Does it have the Jurassic weed in it? I don't think they better not be giving no weed to no kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's illegal. No, just a Cory. It's, it's well, well, just a Cory. You know, just uh, a Cory. They're going to give you. it to kids. That's a I waste. want candy. I don't want weed. I want candy. Greg, uh, <laughs> any Halloween plans uh, up there in Ukiah, the land of? The uh, no, I don't think there are too many trick or treaters come around up here. <laughs> but I will wear my werewolf mask anyway. Dude, that sounds so cool. Anyway, it's pretty fucking cool. Hey, I'm gonna listen to some '70s prog rock and wear my werewolf mask. That's that's a party. That's a party. King Crimson is the most evil Halloween sounding. Just so you know. I'm about to head out to the TCM cruise, but when I come back, 
we will have the czar of noir, Eddie Muller from TCM's Noir Alley, on the show. Oh, my God. Hey, Eddie will be on to talk about his Norbar book and his Kitty Farrell book. He's got a bunch of books out. He'll be, he will be recommending the cocktail pairings and will be recommending the weed for DOA from 1949 and Spectre of the Rose. It's this batshit ballet vampire noir from 1946. So we're gonna pair, we're gonna crossfade majorly for these two films. Oh man! Featured in Noir Bar, Eddie Muller's book. Eddie's got the booze. We've got the weed in Noir Vember right here on Old Movies for Old. Uh, I messed up the. Felina's <laughs> not here, so it is Old Movies for Old. It's stoners. Old Movies for Old Stoners. Yeah, today. yeah. Okay, Old Movies for Old Stoners. Stoner. Only the ghosts in this house are glad we're here. <laughs>